Hello, my fellow fallible human. Welcome to the Red Roof Recovery Show. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and I am joined by my beautiful husband of a long, long time. We're celebrating 32 years together very soon in 2023. I like to call him Sir Lancelot because he's definitely been my knight in shining armor in more ways than one. And Lance brings a family perspective to our business of addiction recovery, programs to soften the path of recovery from addictions. Lance lived with me through my drug and alcohol addictions for most of our marriage. Uh, he is now enjoying with me five consecutive years of freedom from my addiction. But with that, of course, comes other challenges because now he's living with me in my recovery from addictions, which is a whole new ball game, I understand. And I love the fact that Lance brings a family perspective to our conversations. So when we do get together, we are having some insightful conversations from both sides of this spectrum, this complex condition of addiction, which is definitely a global epidemic, uh, to say the very least. Lance, thanks for being here, sweetheart. You're welcome, Bob. I don't think I would have continued doing these uh, podcasts if you hadn't joined me. It's one of the most um, anxiety-creating uh, things on my agenda. I procrastinate around it a lot, so I'm grateful that you have not only joined me, but you are my accountability partner to get her done. <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, you were in, you've done TV and everything like that, and radio and other stuff when you were in the midst of your addiction. And part of the coming out of addiction is opening yourself up to the feelings that you suppressed, anxiety and... Performance you know, anxiety, approval the, addiction. Yeah, the fear of being mm -hmm. judged by other people. And, yes. You know, so I can understand why you're, you have trepidations. Not unlike what most people experience. I talk to a lot of people who actually express admiration uh, for seeing me. And that means a lot to me because, you know, I feel the fear and I do it anyway, which is why I try to practice what I preach because right. I'm always telling people feel the fear and do it anyway, walk into that fear, walk through it. And, uh, you know, that, that takes uh, a lot of peer support. So thank you. Sweetheart. And that's called courage. Uh -huh. Well, uh, it's certainly taken a lot of courage for people to step up to the plate to say, I want to make a change. That's probably the most difficult thing uh, to do in life is say, I'm ready for, to, to make the change. Um, as you mm -hmm. know, sweetheart, I went into a rehab in 2009 when we were living in Spain, 30 days in a rehab based on a 12-step model of recovery. Um, without question, it saved my life. I don't think I'd be alive doing this today if I hadn't made that step. However, um, I, uh, obviously I wasn't ready because then I relapsed every year for the next eight years while attending 12-step meetings. Uh, that's not the fault of the program. That is my inability to accept this complex condition that I'm living with. And it took me eight years of experience relapsing uh, learning opportunities for me to finally reach a point where I was ready. And, you know, that is different for different people. And even though with our intake form, you know, the questions that we put people through when they're applying for our one week residential program, uh, because I still believe that recovery doesn't take a long time. It takes a persistent willingness to exert consistent efforts to help yourself. And sometimes we're just not ready. 
-hmm. And getting ready is, uh, that's an individual path that's going to be different for everyone. So today we're talking about codependence again, because we only scratched the surface of that huge topic, um, talking about, you know, codependence. We've been together for 32 years and, you know, I think every relationship has an element of codependence for sure. Um, the longer that we've been together, I'm sure those dynamics have evolved uh, for good or bad. I guess if the relationship is still working in a healthy way, is it a bad thing? No, no, it's, it's not. Everyone <clears throat> has said in a previous podcast, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And if you can find someone that compliments you, or he has the strengths where your weaknesses are, that's fantastic. And is that codependence? For sure, because you're giving up some autonomy over what you do to the other person because they're just better at it. Yeah, and and we, we do that in life anyway. You know, uh, give it a job, so relationships with other people. If you're on a sports team, you know, at five foot seven, five foot eight, would you be able to play a point guard in a basketball team? But you wouldn't expect to be like, you know, the person, the point guard, because the point guard's always a lot taller. So, you know, we all give up responsibility for people who can do things better. In a relationship, in a good relationship, we do that and we don't resent the fact that, you know. There's the key. But, if there's some resentment growing, uh, you're going in the wrong direction for sure. Yeah. So today I want to talk about the the blame and shame game that a lot of people get into. So from my observations of people going for addiction, one of the things that is quite common is that the person in the addiction blames their partner for situations that force them into taking a drink or a drug, you know, that they, they say their partner stresses them out. They push them in a certain situation they're uncomfortable with, you know, and they blame them for basically their addiction, which is again relinquishing responsibility, your responsibility, and putting it on the other person. And from the support person, there's a tendency to blame and shame the other person. Then we, we try and shame the uh, the person with addiction into giving up because it doesn't fit with our our view of you know what our relationship should be. You're doing this. Well, you know, and you should stop the shooting thing. And Putting yourself, yes. Yeah. And anything that happens if we lose friends, you know, um, we don't have enough money, then we blame the other person for their addiction for using our money, people walking away from our friendships because of what you're doing. And we put the emphasis on the person with the addiction and blame them for everything that's happening in our life, which again is relinquishing our responsibility to the other person. Mm-hmm. So what tools do you think we can use to stop the blaming and shaming? That's a really good question, sweetheart, because, you know, I certainly fell into that uh, in my addiction, especially when we went to Spain, because Mm -hmm. I had my expectations set for something (laughs) that didn't materialize. So I used that as a springboard to go deeper into my addiction. So that was my excuse, definitely. And um, a lot of blaming 
going on there for me because you know then I go through through that other rabbit hole of uh, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't brought us there, right? And which is absolutely ridiculous. It was a wonderful opportunity that we both embraced because it was an opportunity to become semi-retired in a beautiful climate. We we had dreamed of um, retiring in a in a tropical uh, climate because I love to be warm. <laughs> so, you know, we, we went with all the right expectations. And of course, uh, yours came to fruition. Mine did not because of bureaucracy and a multitude of other things. So I used that definitely as a spiral downward. And that was a good thing. I think if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have reached what we refer to. And I really dislike the term rock bottom because, uh, you know, the rock bottom was actually a springboard for me to make a, a change, even if if it was just scratching the surface of a change, it, it propelled me into making some kind of a change, you know, reaching out for help to say, I need uh, some help. I can't do this alone. And I don't even remember, I don't know if I, you remember the story about how I, I woke up in the morning, staggering to bed again, cl literally climbing upstairs on all fours uh, to get to bed and pass out. I, I never did sleep. I just passed out. And in the morning when I woke up with a hangover, as I always did, and I was having my first drink of the day, uh, vodka and orange juice, because I would uh, appease myself by, with the orange juice, justifying that it was okay to have it in the morning. Um, <laughs> and I got this call from uh, Anthony. He said, uh, hi, Tanya, it's Anthony from Serenity House. How can I help? <laughs> and I, I had no idea who he was. And apparently I had sent him an email uh, the night before reaching out to Serenity House in just outside of Seville in Spain um, to go in to check into a 30 day rehab. So that's how my journey began in 2009. Uh, and it's still unfolding and evolving. You know, mm -hmm. as I said, I'm going to be celebrating five consecutive years of freedom from addictions. And it, but it took me eight years of relapsing every year to get there. So that it is. So in. Now yeah, from, I've got another rabbit hole, sorry. Yeah, from that point to this point, eight years later, with all you've learned, and as you say, you, you blame the situation, you blame me for, because it was, you know, I did plant the idea and I did push the idea of, you know, going to Spain because my brother was there and my family is in Europe and, and you know, you followed. So I can understand the blame and all that stuff. But you use that to propel your addiction. Exactly. That was my springboard, right? So my rock bottom was a springboard, as I think most people who you talk to who have hit that rock bottom, uh, they say the same thing. It was it was a springboard for me to make the change. Even if it didn't happen right away, it was the beginning of a change. So what brought you to the point where you recognized that you were blaming me for something that was actually your responsibility, the way you felt and everything like that. You could have said, no, I don't want to go to Spain. And all that. So what tools did you use to change your mindset on, okay, this happened, but is it actually my responsibility, his responsibility? Well, I think that's that's a big question to answer for yourself. What do I want? What am I doing about it? And how do I feel about what I'm doing about it? Were the three questions through cognitive therapy that I was encouraged to ask. 
And when I started to uh, sit and contemplate my feelings and, you know, my own sabotage in my own life, then I needed to uh, make a decision. Am I going to do the work to make the change? And, you know, that's, again, uh, an involvement, I think, that continues. What continues to motivate me to remain free from addiction? I keep doing the work. I, I do the pers I have a persistent willingness to make that consistent effort to help myself. And it's a daily effort from the moment my eyes open, uh, the journey begins again for another day. And I still go to 12 step meetings. I love the peer support and the snappy slogans, right? One day at a time, take what you need and leave the rest. Uh, you don't have to buy into the powerlessness and higher power and God, uh, you know, just make it what you need it to be if you can find the right group. Luckily, I'm in a little town in Ontario now, and I've found the right group. It's great peer support, and it works for me. So find what works for you. I always say the key. It's one of my favorite acronyms. Keep educating yourself. Keep looking for something that you're going to be able to sustain, something you're going to do every day to maintain your freedom from harmful substances and behaviors. Okay, so is there any, if someone's watching this and just tunes in, is there any fundamental tool that you would say, this is one of the core tools that I use to start this process? Well, there are so many, sweetheart, as you know. Uh, I call it the hammer in my toolbox. It's a playlist that I've put together from my time uh, facilitating meetings with SMART, self-management and recovery training, again, using cognitive therapies. And they've put together some short, very helpful videos around unconditional acceptance of self, others, and life. And that playlist you can find on our YouTube channel. So just do youtube.com at Red Roof Recovery and look for that playlist of unconditional acceptance. I watch those short videos on a regular basis and it helps me to appreciate that uh, that unconditional acceptance of myself, of others, and life is key for me to remain free from addictions. And I think also it, it helps people who are living with person, people with addiction, to do the same thing, to look at themselves and realize that, you know, we have a choice. You know, we, we can participate and blame the other person for our life and you know because they're doing this our life is you know not what we want or we can accept that we can what do you say accept it accept it change it or leave it if you can't accept it change it if you can't change it leave it there you go like the and buddha said that 2500 years ago <laughs> I think it's as true today as it was then it certainly is so thanks for being here, sweetheart. And thank you for hanging out with us for a few minutes of your day. Remember, there is great power in knowing that the only thing we can control in life is ourselves. And let's remember to be gentle with ourselves. Uh, a nice, healthy discipline, but still be gentle with ourselves. Our inner child can always use a little bit more love. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.